0: Hello everyone, and welcome to the second podcast episode on the Business One podcast. My name is T Dad. I am a podcast officer. Within Business One for Semester One of 2022, um, and today I am joined with Rishub, who is a skilled projects leader within Business One. Hello, Rishub. Hello, Tia
1: Dad. Wouldn't say I'm skilled, but You're I'm a project leader.
0: That. Yeah, projects leader. Um, do you want to give a quick intro about your about yourself? Yeah, happy to. I'm um,
1: currently a project leader at B1. Started this around three or so months ago. Um, before this, I was a project consultant at B1 um, and I get out, got onto Business One um, because I was in commerce and I believe it's listed as a commerce club. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, because we are a commerce club. And yeah, that's where I just sort of discovered
0: consulting um, and thought it was like a,
1: I didn't know what it was before that and thought I would just Cause try. Because
0: you it. were in the realms of actuarial, right? Yeah, exactly. You didn't the know what consulting of, was? Yeah, I didn't yeah. know what that was.
1: So I was busy doing the maths Exactly, yeah. exactly. Didn't get time to look around <laughs> um yeah so yeah aside from um business one i'm doing actuarial science like tia dad said yeah exactly. um and before a few months ago i was at dd which is a share company <laughs> and i was doing a, a project role there um oh sorry a product role there and now i'm at pwc where i'm a consultant
0: do you want to tell them a little bit about uh startups as well oh
1: uh, yeah happy to uh,
0: we'll run through that later on but uh just a quick quick intro
1: yeah um i graduated from high school just over two years ago
0: yeah
1: um and i didn't really know what a startup was then yeah um just thought of it like a normal business Mm. um but me and my friend we were just um during year 12 thinking about like just talking about randomly about school Mm. um and listing out everything we thought wasn't great about it um and this was close to when like our results came out uni office came out um and we're just having a general discussion like oh uh, we hated this about school we hated this about school right um and that discussion turned into um us wanting to start a business to solve yeah. some of those things so during
0: the period where you know everyone's gone on schoolies yeah. and that kind of stuff exactly we we were got your heads together and you're like let's start a business
1: exactly um no this this was after schoolies so after we also had our fun yeah yeah, nah, and then,
0: good, yeah we good. got our head together
1: that's right heads together um and yeah we thought that uh, we didn't know what a startup was then, like I said, but we yeah. were just thought uh, we'll just start something. Yeah. Um, and one of the biggest things, like my little sister was um, just at a local school um, and I went to Suzanne Corey. Um, and we were just comparing like the two and like whether there really is any difference. Mm. Um, and one of the differences we noted was there was a lot of um, different resources that we had access to. Yeah, right. Um, that they didn't have access to. Um, and that often meant the difference between um, the scores that these schools would achieve. Um, so we thought, like, why not make a website where we can give really high-quality resources made by 50 raw students, so students that have gotten, like, the best scores in the state. Um, and we'll provide, like, these resources in the form of, like, videos, questions, and notes. Um, and to make, keep the name simple, we decided to call it 50 Raw.
0: Well, there you uh, go. Yeah,
1: so that that was our first um, journey into, like, the startup um, space, I guess.
0: Lovely, lovely. And we'll get more into it Uh, later on, as well as, you know, what you're working on at the moment as well. Perfect. Um, But I'll just start off with regards to the uh, project space. Um, Just wanted to know, uh, as a projects leader at the moment, you manage uh, four or five people? Yeah, four or five. Four people. Four people, yeah, yeah. yeah. Five, including myself. Including. To manage
1: myself sometimes. Exactly, exactly
0: right. But yeah, so what do you do within the, uh, the projects leader role?
1: Yeah, so... As a leader, um, what I think my job is, is to like navigate my team towards achieving the objectives of the club. Um, So like, you know, I think of business one as having two really big objectives. Uh, One is helping startups out, uh, making sure um, that, and secondly, making sure that students have experience. Um, And we wanna create opportunities for both of these. Um, And we do this by seeking out startups and asking them if there's any problem that they would like to have solved and also seeking out students and asking them would they get like get some experience within the consulting world um, and solve some problems. Um, and essentially just wanna be able to do both of those to the best of my ability. Um, and I guess like everyone has a different definition of what a leader is. Um, like I think of it as like creating the right environment for my team to be able to achieve that objective. It's good so definitely. Like, yeah, um, Everyone in the club wants to do the same two things, make good opportunities for themselves yeah. um, and also help startups out. Um, and I want to be able to make sure that my team can um, give it their all towards actually doing that.
0: So as the project's leader, you've also had experience within the consulting space as well. Yeah. What was the leap like when you went up to managing consultants like yourself?
1: Yeah, I think one of the biggest things that I've come to notice about um, also B1 as a club that separates itself from others is like the culture. Yeah. Um, and like when you're a project leader, you um, Making the right culture becomes very intentional. Um, Like when I was a project consultant, um, you know, of course, I wanted to get to know the people in my team. Um, And I didn't think of the powers acting as something contributing towards a culture. Um, But like now I do, right? Like as a project leader, I I know that everyone needs to get along. Everyone should feel comfortable saying everything that they do want to say. If they ever have an idea, they should be able to bring it up very freely. Um, Making a culture where... Um, you instinctively go towards ideas that are um, very innovative um, as opposed to doing things that are like sort of just copied or done in the past before. Um, So yeah, I guess that would be the biggest leap between project um, consultant and project leader Mm. um, because the solutions we provide to our startups um, or any sort of recommendations we make at the end of the day, um, you sort of use the same problem-solving techniques. Yeah. Um, So like the problem we're solving hasn't really changed but it's just being a lot more intentional about like how we're going to do this um, and managing the team to do that.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Beautiful answer. Um, do you want to run through your, uh, your case at the moment mm-hmm. um, and you, what you're working on with your team? Yep, happy to. Uh,
1: so currently working with a startup called Get It Fast. Um, what Get it Fast, Get it Fast does is offer same-day delivery uh, for click and collect orders. Um, so like say you have like a Kmart six kilometres away from you, I mean, you really wanted like an iPhone charger, um, but you just cannot be bothered going, picking it up. So what you might do is order it um, on Click and Collect. um, And you really want the same day delivery. You want it on that same day, because it's an iPhone charger, you want to charge your phone. So you can just contact Get It Fast and organize them to get it delivered to you. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, as a part of our case, we're trying to increase the public perception of Get It Fast. um, And we're trying to more specifically do that through their Google reviews. Um, so just boosting their Google reviews, so it can be perceived yeah. better as a company.
0: Ah, so it's a bit like an Uber for uh, exactly. people who collect orders. Yeah, do Uber they manage Uber a bunch for? of drivers themselves?
1: Yeah, um, yeah, and a big difference between um, Uber, Didi, um, yeah. DoorDash, any of those, which you've had experience. Which, in yeah, Didi. exactly. So it was, it was a good project to get into because yeah. I've had experience then seeing like how these big companies approach similar oh, yeah. problems. Um, But one of the big differences is um, these drivers are actually uh, employed. So they have a schedule like between nine to five, you know, deliver these orders. Whereas Mm -hmm. in Uber, Didi, DoorDash, it's up to the driver when they do and don't want to work. And it's
0: unpredictable, right? Yeah, and it's
1: very unpredictable. Um, And I think that's one of like the biggest assets of this company. Because when you think of um, like, say, same day delivery, right? If you wanted your charger with you. Uh, You don't want it to be um, sort of be at, I guess, the. you don't want to leave it up to like the choice of the driver. Like, oh, I feel like delivering something today or I don't feel like delivering something today. Uh, You want to be very sort of uh, reliable as a service. Um, And by employing drivers, get it fast is ensuring that reliability. Uh, Whereas Uber and all these other services may not be able to, like let's say it's raining on one day and no driver wants to go out. Yeah. Um, so that's like the big separator between Get It Fast and Uber. Um, although these other companies could probably replicate a similar sort of value proposition in that delivering things on the same day. Um, they have a different approach by which they want to do that. Um, and that fundamentally changes how reliable they will be as a service.
0: Now, it seems like they're pretty unique compared to, to mm-hmm. Uber. Because um, based on what you were saying initially, I was like, you know, very similar to you because i think uber has a, a package program themselves as well now yeah where you can like select it and you can deliver packages and that kind of stuff yeah and
1: i also saw like another thing uber did recently was if you want to like say in the morning you're going somewhere um it'll ask, also ask you oh, do you also want to get food delivered there like oh no way close by yeah wow well, so, like, if you're, like, you know, 7 a.m. in the morning... They're you're trying like to get catch, some extras. Yeah, exactly. Catch an Uber to work. Yeah. And then you can also deliver a coffee the same time you get to wow. work.
0: Wow, It's pretty cool. But, yeah, so you've been working on that for, what, two, three months at the moment? Mm. Um, I know it's, like, a pretty short time span, but um, what kind of challenges have you faced doing this? I'm sure yeah. there's a lot of issues with regards to perhaps talking to the client, trying to convey your message. Um and do you work with like pitch books and that kind of stuff? Yeah, exactly. Making some slide decks. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think
1: the two biggest challenges, and you've almost sort of covered them already, uh, is one time. Mm. Because what we want to like do is provide them recommendations that are meaningful to their business. Yeah. Um, and, you know, think of this company, this, this founder that are working alongside us. They've been through the whole journey for their own business, right? Um, And now we're saying we're some uni students and we wanna, uh, we're we're gonna learn everything about their business in a time span of what, two, three months Mm. um, and provide them something that is genuinely meaningful, something they can actually use. Um, So it does come with that time, um, I guess, constraint. Uh, And the way we wanna try to solve that is making sure that um, from the very start, we're making the most out of our meetings with our clients. Um for example, like I went to the client site and just um, asked him like you know, show me exactly how you run everything mm. and then sort of conveying that information to the um, to the project consultants that are on my team. So yeah, I think time has been one of the biggest challenges. Um, and I think this is not just a challenge that is you know uh, within b e one as a unique club, but also yeah. you know in the broader consulting world. Um, like I'm at PwC right now. The exact same thing happens. You know, you have these engagements that go on for two to three months, um, and in these two to three months, we supposedly have to like learn every or everything that is relevant um, to a given problem about our client, um, and then give them some solution
0: into how uh, or what direction they should proceed in. And I'm assuming it's a bit hard to get them to trust you in the first place because if you think about it, I mean, you've been a startup founder. Um, you know your business probably better than anyone else. Mm. And then the fact that you're going outside of your way uh, to get some uni students' perspective on it, um, it's a bit hard to yeah, it's a bit hard develop to, like, that trust, trust right? Yeah, exactly right. Is there a is there something you've done to kind of bridge that gap to kind of sell yourself as someone that yeah. can actually help them?
1: Yeah. Um, no, that's a really good point uh, that you're making because that's sort of like... Um, you know, being getting out the founder of Get a faster to Trust Us is something that's always been at the front of um, our mind.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and we've been very sort of intentional about how we present information to um, the founder. Um, so anything that he sort of mentions to us in his meetings, any way he phrases things, we sort of try to answer directly towards that mm-hmm. in our slide deck. So instead of just making a very, um, you know, uh, one fit for all slide deck, Um, and trying to just present him the solution. We want to sort of present it to him with his values, his mindset, and show him, like, why this is the best thing to do in line with him.
0: That's interesting. So you don't go with, like, the templates and stuff. You try and actually tailor it towards. Yeah, tailor it to,
1: like, exactly what he thinks um, is happening within the industry at the moment um, and try either validate or disvalidate his assumptions about that. Um, and I think what also helps is like being very sort of logical about how we convey things. Yeah. Cause you can't deny logic. Um, exactly. And, yeah, just working with him and trying him that, you know, uh, maybe your assumption about this and this wasn't quite as you thought it was. Um, so let's proceed in a lif- little bit of a different direction.
0: And you're working directly with the founder, right? Yeah. 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 And yeah. within your role, um, They've asked you to fix the reviews, right? What have you come up in these two to three months to to uh, to give them? What what is what is the solution that you've come up with with your team? Yeah,
1: um, so the first thing we do we did was just ask ourselves, almost just placing ourselves as the customers. Yeah. Um, actually, even before that, we we placed ourselves at the cu- customers and placed an order on oh, Airfast. Yeah. So we all just you know whoever lived close to a Kmart, uh, we just placed an order online and that already gave us a lot of initial impressions about the company. Um, and it got us thinking about the company. And we just asked ourselves, when would we leave a review? Like what would have to be the case for us to actually go on and leave a review, uh, particular to the get it fast, uh, or oh, sorry, the delivery industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one of the biggest insights we had in doing that was the fact that delivery times is sort of like an expectation. Mm. If you meet delivery times, it's not, nothing exceptional, if you know what I mean. like. Yeah. Um, they are saying we're going to offer same-day delivery, and if it comes on the same day, I'm going to be like, okay, that's good, Uh, but it's probably not going to lead me to leaving a review. So we want to look at all the other additional factors that actually come into play, uh, whether that be customer service, um, how well we're communicating to them, how easy it is to place an order, what happens when something goes wrong, like is there um, additional support that I can use, Um, considering all these additional factors. um, Because initially our scope as requested by the founder was to figure out what sort of, de- what delivery time actually leads to um, the highest reviews, right? So if he knows that, okay, under four hours means they're a lot more likely to leave a better review. Mm. Um, let's strive for that. Let's try achieve under four hours. That's sort of the target we wanna make as a, as a minimum standard. Um, and from that, our scope changed um, to now, oh, you know, delivery time is probably one really important factor, but it's probably not the most important factor. Yeah. Um, and how can he make, put like better customer service? How can he sort of uh, look at all these additional factors that are um, separate from his value proposition um, into le- getting a really good review?
0: That's a tough problem for companies, like people not leaving reviews, right? Yeah. Because if you think about it, I mean, if, I think back to the last time I wrote a good review, um, it was when the company actually asked me, yeah, like, same, can, you, can you write a review? And I'm like, yeah, hey, sure, why not? And yeah. it was a really good service, so I went ahead and did it. But otherwise, yeah. if they don't ask, you don't really go out of your way to do it. You go out of your way to do it if it's a bad product. Mm. But if it's a good product, then you're like, okay, good. Yeah, it's like Everything's been done.
1: Everything's, yeah, you don't think about it too much. It doesn't yeah. take too much space in your head if it's a good product.
0: Exactly, exactly. Uh, but if
1: it's a bad product, you're going to be you're gonna thinking be, about yeah, it the whole time. You're going to become a Karen yeah exactly go
0: off you have to yeah
1: um yeah like the last time I left a review um I was at like a sports shop and he was like I'll give you a five percent discount if you leave oh, okay. me a review and and he had good service so I was like yeah. why not yeah. might as well um but yeah exactly spot on though like either you have a really really bad service and then I'll be like oh, I'm gonna leave a review mm. or you have a really really good service um and that's when like you know you have a service everyone loves and that's why when, when you talk about it to your friends um, that's when you go on and then leave reviews, you do all these additional things. Okay. and it just doesn't go over your head, right yeah. uh, And what we want to help him, uh, what we want to help him with is um, both those two things. How do we avoid all those um, like negative experiences? So when do customers have really bad um experiences? Why are these experiencing hap- experiences even happening? Um, And then how do we avoid them? How Um, do you
0: address them within the company? Exactly
1: right. Like every company has bad experiences. Like, you know, every company is going to disappoint customers. Um, And another big sort of um, revelation we had during the project was um, it's not reasonable to just say, oh, we're going to avoid every single bad experience. Within the delivery industry, there's even like massive companies, they're going to disappoint customers. Um, But what we recommended him in turn with that is like, when you do disappoint a customer, how can you make it up to them? Right, like I'm sure, offer like them something, huh? yeah, so offer them something, you yeah. know. Uh, make sure they don't feel like it's been a loss overall. Um, like you know, if you think about Uber, Didi, um, how many times have you like? How many times have has your ride been cancelled? Yeah. Um, yeah, and you know, not all. I haven't ever left a bad review for them because sometimes they make it up to me and hmm. provide me value, irrespective of that.
0: Yeah, I think that's happened once to me, and they gave like a ten dollar voucher.
1: Yeah, exactly. So like, yeah so yeah. it's very intentional uh like even these companies like massive companies like dd uh, when i was at dd uh, we were we didn't have the mindset that uh, you know we're never disappointing customers we knew that was happening yeah uh, but we also want to sort of address that um so like not living like blindly or like blindly assuming that you know the only the best outcome is just having really good cust- customer experience because inev-
0: inevitably it is going to happen you're going to have bad yeah. experiences um That are no fault of your own.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's just
0: Um, about addressing those and
1: Mm. trying to minimize that, right? And incidentally, um, what we found was a lot of the people that were leaving five-star reviews initially had bad experiences. Wow. Yeah, they were like, oh, you know, my order got delivered to the wrong place, but Get It Fast had really exceptional customer service, um, and their help fixed everything, and I still got my order at the end of the day.
0: That's incredible. Because that's sort of
1: like those additional value you're providing beyond, you know getting your order on time.
0: That's a really good point. Yeah. So the customers who've had the worst experiences, mm. and then if you fix that, they come and leave a review. Wow.
1: Yeah, exactly, they leave, they go on and go out of their way to leave you a good review because yeah. the company's gone out of their way to fix your experience. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like at the start, we thought of it as a very simple thing, leaving a review, but now we're starting to understand how much, uh, or how much actually goes into it from yeah. a customer perspective. Um, and I guess we were talking about earlier when um, you know we're, we're coming in as uni students only in two months' time, yeah. and we have to give him value. Um, I think one of the biggest points of value that we can provide any business is acting as the customer, being mm. empathetic to that, um, and then telling him everything that m- isn't going as well as he thinks it is with his customer, uh, because in the delivery industry, like oh, you know, like for something like delivery. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that he wouldn't consider because he doesn't use his product every day.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's something interesting that you guys you guys have done, you know. As consultants, I mean, I'm pretty sure you've been told try and understand the customer, but you've gone ahead and were like, oh, I'm going to be the customer and see mm-hmm. how it actually makes me feel. Yeah. I think they made uh, the CEO of Uber um, or just Uber execs, uh, and they forced them to do uh, an Uber ride like once a month or something like that. Oh, really? Just to create that kind of bond with what they're doing. And yeah, that kind of stuff, I did so. that
1: at um, DD too. I went, uh, it wasn't like made, no one made me do it. Yeah. Uh, but whenever I, whenever I would go on rides, my manager would encourage me to ask the driver questions.
0: Oh. Uh, um, just
1: do some market research. Yeah. Yeah, so it's very important to like, you know, get that insight straight from those that are getting the most value out of the product.
0: Because at the end of the day, if you work in corporate, you don't you don't directly influence the people who are actually mm. doing the productive work. Um, but if you do put yourself in the scenario where you talk to them, you really do gain a better insight yeah. instead of trying to think of it on your own. That's really yeah, good. Exactly That's right. That's really good.
1: And another thing I've sort of noticed, because um, like I really like reading up on startups, right? Yeah. Um, and seeing like why when. do succeed why did they succeed yeah um and there's been like people that have a lot of experience within the startup world but they make startups that fail Mm. um and like my theory on that is 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 you can know a lot about startups and still do bad because the only thing that will matter at the end of the day is how well you know your customer
0: yeah that's a good
1: point yeah so like if you don't know your customer well enough but you know all those like startup principles and like how to you know go about navigating the startup world and making a business You know, that's really important stuff and stuff you do need to know. uh, But, like, it's all worthless without knowing your customer well enough.
0: Yeah, because at the end of the day, you're fixing a problem for the customer. Mm, And if you don't understand them, then you're never going to understand the problem.
1: Yeah, exactly right. And it helps being the... Or experiencing the problem um, when you are making any sort of a startup. Um, And that's, like, sort of what led us to our second startup Mm. um, data and, like, why we... um, you know, do you think that there are, uh, there's a shift needed um, into like that? Oh, you know, we were spending more time on something else um, as opposed to 50 raw. Mm. And one of the biggest reasons behind that is we had this re- revelation about like what the problem actually is mm. because I sort of experienced it myself as a tutor.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Putting yourself in the customer's shoes is mm. so important. Yeah, just um, being empathetic. You did mention data. Um, I think that was a good time to cover your startups. Mm. Uh, I think you already went through what 50RAW is and how you came about it. Um, do you want to tell us a bit more about how 50RAW is going at the moment and where you guys are headed towards? Yeah. Um, well, to me, uh, me and Tanishk, who is the co-founder
1: with me for 50RAW, um, we, we learned a lot when we, um, as we were building 50RAW, right? We made a lot of mistakes, while building Fifty Raw, mm. um, because you know we were out of straight out of high school, um, and I think one of the biggest mistakes that we made was um, trying to cover everything all at once. Mm. Um, like we we're like, oh, you know what? Our customers aren't going to come to us if we solve all their problems. We can't just be solving one of it, which was really like um, you know, I think not the best way to approach startups in general, right? Uh, so, like, we were trying to offer, like, all these really good videos, offer all these, like, sort of questions that are really good and all these additional add-ons within the questionnaire system. Uh, we were trying to offer, like, these really interactive notes. And um, when we all all those three things were very important, uh, but trying to do all of them at once was a bit hard. Especially within two people. Exactly, especially within two people um, with very lin- limited funding at that limited funding and time, because we're also at uni and working full-time.
0: Do you think looking back... Um You'd say you'd have to f- build a foundation first and focus on that before you try and go for you know the, the videos or yeah. or the practice papers or that kind yeah. of stuff.
1: Well, what I think now is, is take one problem that a customer experiences, or not even a customer, just any sort of individual experiences with a very high level of frequency um, and solve that like perfectly. Mm. Um, like another thing we did was we tried, we thought of our customer very broadly um, because we're like, you know, we want to attack every single school, school student. Yeah. But not yeah. all school students are the same. There's like these really unmotivated students, really motivated students. There's like wide demographic. And we can't be solving every single p- customer's problems because chances are then we'll be solving no one's problems. No one's yeah, That's a yeah. good point. Yeah. Um, so what we decided to do differently with data was choose one customer um, and be very specific about that customer um, to the point where I actually just took... Um, one of my re- really close friends that were tutors, that are one of our central customers, and I took my students themselves, and I, you know, I tell them about it every week, and I try to get more information about it from them. And I wanted to make a product that they can, like, you know, use. Um, so instead of solving like everyone's problem, really, I just wanted to take one person and just make a product that really solves their problem, um, and one of their problems, not all their problems.
0: That's a great point. So you've obviously learned that from your experience in 50 raw and one. You're trying to. Yeah. Um, transfer that into your startup data. Do you wanna give the audience a brief overview of your new startup data and what it's uh, hoping to achieve?
1: Yeah, sure, happy to. Um, so when I think about like learning or just knowledge, I, I, like, I like to imagine as being dispersed um, in different levels, almost like a pyramid, right? Um, and whenever someone is learning any sort of piece of content, um, like at the bottom, you have like all your foundational knowledge. Um, and then you have your next level of lo- knowledge that relies on your foundations, and you keep moving up and up where topics keep getting harder and harder. Um, and I think one of the biggest problems is when you skip levels, mm. right you you sort of have these gaps in your knowledge um, and they sort of compound over time to a point where uh, learning becomes too difficult unless you go back um, and try to really fill in every single gap you have. Um, and that's why you know, um, people drop subjects, right? Like, you know, a lot of people find maths really hard. Um, and the, one of the biggest reasons behind that, um, like I read this study on it, is because they have too many gaps to fill. Um, and it's sort of like us, you know, walking into a third-year uni maths class without doing year one and two. Like, of course, exactly. it's going to be really hard. Yeah. Um, so data is trying to identify. It's going to act as a gap identification system. So students are going to do questions on it. Um, And every time a student gets a question right, question wrong, how much of a time they're spending on questions, when they skip questions, where they go wrong, all all of this information is sort of like aggregated um, and given to teachers. So teachers sort of know where exactly a student's going.
0: So you deliver data to the teachers?
1: Teachers and tutors. And tutors. Yeah, and they sort of, um, it's a questionnaire platform and students do questions on it. um, And we try to identify what are students' learning gaps and how do students learn?
0: So what areas within like unit three Mm. or okay you're lacking your awareness of uh area of study two
1: exactly you need
0: to focus on this aspect of it
1: yeah and also sort of taking into account why are students going wrong beyond the content itself um so what sort of like you know do they um like problem solve uh is it like time management skills that they lack or just problem solving skills that they lack um, so like asking students when they do go wrong why they actually thought they went wrong um, so it's not just about you know teaching them the right content but also making sure that um, they also have all the additional skills on top of the content to be able to answer questions
0: That's, a, that's really good because even for me in high school um, I remember when I used to do like a special exam or something like mm. that, or a practice exam I would kind of feel confident but still get a few questions wrong. And I feel like if you implement that whole data scenario, you'd be able to identify which areas you're still lacking. So then it would make your study time a lot more efficient. So you know exactly where to target and where not to target.
1: Yeah, and it's also about like, as you mentioned, giving students more um, autonomy over, or more control over their learning. Mm. Um, Because a lot of the times when students come to me, they're like, oh, Rishabh, I'm struggling with this topic. They don't know why, um, yeah. and we want them to be able to see exactly why they're struggling with it because a lot of students don't think of learning as existing on these levels, right? Um, and they, they try to skip things themselves. They're like, oh, this is too hard. I'm just gonna do the next topic, but it's all dependent yeah. on one another to some extent. Um, and if they had this really nice map showing them exactly what they need to know and don't need to know um, and like where they are within their like sort of mathematical journey, Um, because we're going to start focusing on maths for the start, Um, they can start, you know, directing their attention towards one place or another themselves without the help of their tutor.
0: I think I came across something a bit similar to what you're achieving with your company. It was um, like the red light method, traffic light method. So Mm -hmm. you review a concept, and if you're really familiar with it, you put a green light. If you're somewhat familiar with it, you put a yellow light. And if you don't know anything at all, you put a red light. Yeah. And then for each topic, you do that. And then at the end, you come back over and you try and get each of these to a green light. Mm, I think so, I used that in like year three. Yeah. So I think that re- ties in really well with data. But it makes it so that you don't have to go through the tedious process of being like, okay, I'd, I have to, you know, organize all these traffic mm. lights and be like, oh, which one do I know? Which one do I not know? Exactly.
1: Um, that's sort of like being done for you every time you do questions. Exactly. Um, yeah. Like like another... Um, me and Tanish thought about was throughout like a year uh let's say you take a subject like maths you're spending so much time on just the te- textbook right mm. you're doing all these questions um and then what do you do at the end of the year you throw it out yeah um to us that textbook is a lot of information on who you are as a student yeah. um, and what if instead of doing all these questions on a notebook you were doing them on a platform and every time you got something right or wrong it was being recorded. Um, then that's all this additional information that teachers can base their teaching decisions on. Um, and what it also allows, um, I guess, teachers to do is see students' progress over time. Because, you know, as you go from one year level to another year level, you get a new teacher who knows absolutely nothing about you, that's true. but they all come in with the assumption that you know everything. yeah. Even yeah. though they don't know, it, that's not probably right, right? Um, so we wanna be able to, you know, um, in theory, look at, um, like, let's say, some hypothetical student, where, how are students going in, like, Year 7? Um, and try to fill as many gaps as we can. And then when they move to Year 8, instead of just assuming that a student's perfect with everything you learned in Year 7, let's try to fix those things first. Um, and over time, that's going to be a lot more efficient use of... Um, well, that's going to be a lot more efficient use of time as you get more data.
0: That's a good point. I think I remember in, you know, especially in the earlier parts of high school, or even VCE, they used to cover a lot of redundant stuff, some mm. stuff that um, was already covered and everyone found easy. If you have a software like data or, mm. or, you know, a system similar to that, where it can target what you need to work on, then you can easily reduce so much study time exactly, and make right. it way more efficient.
1: Yeah. Um, like any sort of decision that a teacher is making should have some sort of backing based on data. Mm. And our ultimate goal is to provide teachers access to that data, hence our name being data Data. itself. Um, So it's even decisions like, let's intentionally group students together, which is something teachers do a lot, right? They they, they group students together based on their skill level. Um, If they had more information about their students, they can do that with a lot more ease and a lot more confidence in that it'll actually work correctly. And like another, we talked to a few teachers and one something every single teacher said to us uh, was that um, their job isn't just to teach. Their job is to teach and then evaluate whether they've taught something right or wrong. Um, And we asked them, how do you evaluate this? Right. And it's often like at the end of a unit. Um, there's there's not often a lot of in-person or in real-time evaluation. Exactly. Um, and we want them like to give them... a stock chart. Really yeah, exactly. How cool would it be if you had a stock chart on your student? Exactly. Right? You yeah. go to it every day. Um, it would
0: be pretty scary for the student. Yeah. Like, oh, shit, I'm doing better, I'm doing better. <laughs> and then, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And,
1: and then they can see themselves go up. Yeah, Because exactly. they know why that's they're doing brad.
0: Yeah. Um, it's a good thing for the teachers to see for sure.
1: Exactly right. Um, so yeah, we, that's like our ultimate goal, like making... like informed learning and teaching decisions among students and teachers. Um, And we do this by providing them access to as much data as we possibly can. Wow,
0: there you go. There we go. So what stage are you at at the moment
1: with data? So currently we're trying to build um, our MVP, so Minimum Viable Product. Um, So something that is as simple as it can be in terms of features, but it solves a problem that we have identified um so we're essentially just working with a few software engineers and getting that built at the moment mm. um and then once we release we're going to try to we have like a set of assumptions that we've listed out for ourselves we're going to see how right and wrong we were about those assumptions
0: oh okay um, and yeah.
1: then just use that as feedback and eventually build towards our ultimate goal um, and that's some that's something we didn't do it with 50 right all. like uh within our platform we said oh we're going to release in six months and we kept delaying that because we're like, oh, let's also put this feature before we release, yeah. which isn't really necessary. You don't really need to do that. Um, just, you know, as long as you're solving the problem that your customer has, um, take that as a starting point, solve that problem, then add on every additional feature from there. Um, and like, you know, not doing that means you're going to have like all these features on your website, which we did with 50 Raw that customers don't even use. I mean, that's a lot of time you've wasted um, just making assumptions.
0: And then this time... you. You want to really perfect, like say one assumption.
1: Exactly right. Just take something um, amongst like a one really specific customer hmm. um, instead of like trying to solve the problem a lot of customers and like take one small assumption, one solved problem, um, small or big problem um, and solve that perfectly and then move on from there. And
0: then using that, you can expand to other other customers who are like, oh, this is interesting, but I need to kind of modify yeah. it to suit Uh, a teacher as opposed to a tutor or something Mm. like that yeah exactly right um and yeah
1: i guess uh, another big part in terms like what me and tanish do in our day-to-day uh is making sure that those that are making the software for us also understand that um that's like where we want to go like one of the biggest challenges we've had with our uh software devs is they have all these really good ideas um and they're like oh i want to i want to make this Mm. this will be really fun to make Um, uh, but we really want them to understand that like everything that we think we should make. Um, it, it's more about saying no than it's about saying yes. Yeah. Right, like uh, working on the right things at the right time.
0: You want to literally stay on the right track. Exactly. And not get sidetracked and be like, oh, we yeah. can do this, we can do that. First, let's perfect this yeah. w- aspect and then we can move on to- Move on from there. Um, targeting teachers and leaders yeah. and that kind exactly of stuff. Exactly,
1: right, yeah. So a lot, a lot of like cultural work, once again, like we were touching on this earlier. Uh, like, we have all these objectives, but, like, the difference between someone in the team and the leader is, like, the leader's probably going to be a lot more intentional about the culture that they're creating because Mm -hmm. they probably have the most capacity to, you know, change that. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, a big, like, learning um, curve there for both me and Tanishq. Um, But we're getting there.
0: Absolutely, and I'm sure it's a really good experience. Um, Finally, I just want to touch on... um, where are you guys headed towards data and what do you want to see data evolved into? I know you're really focused on the specifics about um, targeting specific customers, but if you're thinking more broadly, where do you, where do you see this going?
1: Essentially, we want data to be you know, the go-to platform when it comes to getting information um, on a student or the impact they're having on a student, both for the student and the teacher. Um, So anytime a student or a teacher needs to make a decision, right? I mean, these are decisions we make every time we study, like what should I study right now? Um, All of this sort of workload should be, you know, all all of these decision-making should uh, almost be made for them based on, you know, all this data that they have available for them. Um, And one thing that me and Tanish really want to achieve um, is simplifying whatever we do do. So instead of making a dashboard with a lot of data, um, and then the teachers and students make their own sort of insights from that, we wanna be very insight driven. Um, so instead of that, we'll just have at the top um, an input for a question, right? So the question might be for like, let's say a teacher, um, uh, based on any sort of decision they need to make, like what should I teach next, right? So they just put in that question and then we, we give them an answer. like We think the best topic to work on is this, mm. right? Um, And that's better than, um, you know, just providing them a massive dashboard with all this data and insight. And then they sort of like have to go through this mental effort of figuring out what insights I can actually get from this and answering their questions. Um, So we want to think of um, every sort of decision that a student teacher might want to make and try and think about what data can we collect to help them make that decision and answer it for them.
0: That's right, because at the end of the day, you will have gathered um, a lot of data about many many individuals within Mm. a a class or something like that but at the end of the day it's important to cater the right data at the right time and not overload them right
1: not overload them so that all of it becomes useless yeah yeah they don't use any of it at that point that's a good point
0: um lovely thank you rishim for um coming on today we touched on a lot of topics now of course we we touched on a lot of topics regarding your role as uh, project leader and your experience within startups because business one is really tied in with startups. I'm sure a lot of students would be really um, enthusiastic to hear about this podcast, but no, thank you very much and uh, we hope to bring you on very soon.
1: No, it was really nice talking to you. Easy. Thank you
0: very much. And to all you guys, thank you for listening to our podcast uh, and be tuned in for the third podcast episode. Cheers.